Episode of the Next State of Mind podcast today. I'm Matt Casero with Chip Murphy, Danny Small, and a special guest of ours, uh, Jeff Campbell, joining us. Jeff, first off, thank you for being a part of this episode uh, tonight. Anytime, guys. You know, I, uh, I love the pod. Um, Knicks are always a, a state of constant entertainment for one reason or another. So just happy to be on the pod and talking with you guys. Now, this is an episode that, um, you know, we were talking about last week what we were going to do, uh, you know, with the What If series and all that. And uh, Chip and I were talking about it. We should do something on the Mellow Train. So once we started talking about it, Chip, you remember, I was getting excited, you know, last week. So I've been looking forward to this for all, like a whole week right now. Like I, I just – all day today, I kept telling people, I'm like, man, I can't wait to do this podcast tonight. This is one of my uh, more anticipated uh, – shows going into a couple of weeks ago when we got to talk about that 2013 playoff series i've had a lot of fun with with this little series that we're going into but this is just another fascinating uh you know time that thinking back talking to you guys a little bit before we started recording as well was the Carmelo anthony trade so we are going to take a look at what if the Carmelo anthony trade never happened or, you know, the other options, other teams that were involved. We were talking about it before, guys. There were several teams that were involved in this. And, Chip, I'll start with you because you had a, you were looking at the list before of several teams that uh, were possible destinations back then for Camelo Anthony to be traded. Yeah, I was just looking at another old article from SB Nation and uh, that was reexamining the timeline from the Mellow trade. And apparently, like, back – at the beginning when he was first like trying to force his way out, the Nets and the Bulls were like the front runners Mm -hmm. to get him before the Knicks emerged. I totally forgot about that. That was back when the Nets were back in on everybody. Like remember when they were trying to get Dwight Howard, when he was trying to force his Mm -hmm. way there before he went to the Lakers, the Nets were trying to get everybody back then. But yeah, I forgot. And obviously the Bulls were trying to get Melo when he was a free agent later on. And yeah, it says, the Rockets were interested too. And like Danny was saying before uh, we started recording, the irony behind that is pretty crazy that the Rockets desperately wanted him back then. But uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty funny to look at how the Knicks weren't even the favorite at the beginning of all this. And you look at what ifs, like what if Mello had gone to the Bulls then? What if Mello had gone to the Nets then at the beginning of uh, – you know, those runs and at the beginning of the, when the Nets were at that time, the Nets were the New Jersey Nets. It was so early on in the Nets run. Uh, I think Darren Williams was on that Nets team, but Mm -hmm. still it was before, uh, uh, before Joe Johnson got there. So yeah, I mean, if Melo gets to that Nets team before they go to Brooklyn, that's an interesting, what if they're like, another spot to Brooklyn. I don't want to go too far down the Nets. What if? But like, it makes you think about what could have happened if Melo went to New Jersey. Not that he ever would have gone to New Jersey, I don't think. But it's just an interesting thought. Yeah, and guys, you know, really with this, just jump in and share, you know, whatever pops into your mind about this. Because as you were just sharing, Chip, about all the teams 
that were interested in mellow. Uh, I, I was talking to this once again before we started recording. I remember following this whole trade drama that he wanted out of Denver. And of course, just like we see with every player under the sun that wants to be traded or, or is a free agent or something, they always seem to get linked to the New York Knicks. Uh, but, you know, I, I remember wanting Carmelo Anthony so bad. I mean, we just recently signed uh, Amari Stoudemire. I was looking to, you know, get Carmelo Anthony, another superstar on this team, and hope they would be a, a deadly combination. Uh, and I remember wanting him so bad. And I, I knew there were always these rumors. And back then, that's when I believed every rumor. I was always on like, everybody that said the Knicks were in. I was in all in on everybody before I realized, wow, the media just makes up half this crap and we buy into it and I wise <laughs> up. But I was all about Carmelo Anthony coming to the Knicks. And as the time went on, it just kept feeling like, man, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. And I remember I was at a, you know, one, I was back in high school, early on in my high school days, I was at a football game. And I remember getting, like, reports that Carmelo Anthony going to the net was, like, a real possibility. And I remember how devastated I was. Like, I, I, I didn't go to the football games to watch anyway, even though my, the high school team was really good. They were nationally ranked. Or anything. I just went there to socialize. I stopped socializing after I got that little notification saying that we probably weren't going to get Carmelo Anthony. I was just like, this sucks, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, a few weeks later, the, the deal gets done. And we get, you know, Carmelo Anthony, and I'm looking at the package and seeing all the guys that we send off. And I was just – I wanted Carmelo Anthony so bad that I didn't even care. Like, we traded Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari. We traded a, a huge package to get Carmelo Anthony. But I was just so pumped to have him and have that superstar with Amari Stoudemire. I was so – I don't know if any of you guys felt that way as well, just really wanting that trade to be done. But I was, I was a big fan of Melo. Still am. No, no doubt that he's not my, my top favorite player. Everybody knows I'm a LeBron fan. But, you know, he was one guy that I loved to watch, wanted him on the Knicks. It seemed like he wanted to be a Knicks. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys felt that same way. If you could think back, you know, seeing all the headlines, did you guys want Carmelo Anthony as bad as I did? I, um, I, I remember wanting him pretty bad, man. I mean, like, I think I, I, was, a, I was a Mellow fan. The two things that, that stick out to me, like I, I know I was a Mellow fan before the trade. Obviously, once he came to the Knicks, um, you know, I wanted, I wanted it to work really badly. Um, I, I think, you know, initially when the reports came out that, you know, Dolan stepped in and kind of took over negotiations, Donnie Walsh wanted to hold certain things out of the deal, um, and – you know, one of the things I started to hear that Timofey Mozgov might have been a piece that was holding it back or not. Like, in you know, for me, even in the beginning and now hindsight is twenty twenty. of course, like we've seen Mozgov's career. It's not really amounted to much. The whole time I was kind of sitting there like, let throw him in, dude. Like, what? yeah, like, like pull the trigger on that. Um, and interestingly enough, like, I don't know if uh, like I know Chip is in Jersey. And I know Matt is down south now, but I don't know if you were in New York at the time. But I do you guys remember? I like, oh, okay, you weren't. But like, or maybe Danny. Like, dude, I, I'm pretty sure, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure there was an actual earthquake in New York that day that Mello was traded, and and it was like a small one, right? It was like a three point whatever. But I'm pretty sure if we go back and look, 
that there was an actual earthquake that happened in New York that day. Cause I remember I was sitting in this house upstairs and my, I'm talking with my boy on the phone and we're just like, we got him. We got him. We got you. you, you we, like the whole thing we kept saying to each other is like, you got to have stars to win in this league. And we got one, you know, like, and so, and then of course, obviously like um, Amari was already there or, or I think we were saying, Oh, you got to have three. And now we got two. And like, we, we weren't thinking about the fit so much at the time, but like, it was just mm-hmm. such a crazy turn of events that went down. I don't remember an earthquake and I'm glad I did. Cause I, I would, I, I would crap my pants. Just being honest, I, I like the ground to stay still. Um, you know, actually, there has been some actually earthquakes felt here. But anyway, um, glad I wasn't there for that. I'll say that much. Uh, but, you know, when you get that combination of Amari and, and Carmelo Anthony, I, I was, like I said before, I was so pumped, right? And, and remember how well Amari was playing? It was like every – he had that streak of what, like nine straight games that he had 30 points? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be the greatest thing. And here's the thing, guys. Before that trade, when I first moved here, you know, like I spent a lot of money to have uh, the Yankee games on during the baseball package, and I still do, you know, to watch watch the Yankees. I wasn't spending the money at the time to watch the Knicks because they were, you know, improving, but they still kind of sucked. Um, And, you know, I was also very early on in high school. I didn't have a, a job to pay for it myself, you know, type thing. And what I would do was the NBA.com used to have the radio calls for free. And that's how I would listen to a lot of the games uh, and follow the Knicks. And I even put a little game cast thing on and watch the little computer monitor, you know, update the shots where they were and all that while I was listening to the game. That's what I had to do for several years. Once we got Carmelo Anthony, I went into my little piggy bank and I purchased the freaking league pass because I was going to watch the damn Knicks. You know, I, I just – I was so pumped to have Camelo Anthony have that combination. And, you know, the, the Knicks were on TV a little bit as well, watching Amari play as well as he did. You know, like I said before, we had like nine straight games of 30-plus games. But, you know, I thought we were about to just start taking over. I thought we were going to – like you said, Jeff, we were going to find that third one. We were going to have a big three. And everything was going to be great, grand, and wonderful. <laughs> as we move through this, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to things that quite work that way. But just specifically early on in this, man, I, I, I made that investment. I had to start watching every single Nick game, and I haven't stopped, even though things have gotten worse and worse and worse. Um, you know, but I, that, that is what led to me purchasing it to watch the Nick games down here uh, was, was that trade. That's how big of an impact that it had on me. And, you know, I, I think about the trade package here. And I'm going to ask you, Danny, about this. What do you think on this? Because I, I, and I was talking to Chip, I think, last week. And I thought it was Wilson Chandler. But the more that I, I, I look it up, I think it was Amari Stoudemire that made comments about he wished the Knicks didn't make that trade because they gave away so many of the supporting cast, guys like Wilson Chandler, Danilio Gallinari. Uh, and they felt like if Melo really wanted to be a Knicks, he eventually would have been able to come there through free agency. So, Danny, I want your take on this. You know, is that deal, thinking back on it, should the Knicks have given that big of an offer for Denver, or could they possibly have waited in free agency to put that combination between Maury and Carmelo Anthony and, and try to add some more pieces there and have the supporting cast like Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari? Is that, is that trade, thinking back on it now, would you have waited to see if we get them in free agency? 
Yeah, I think it's easy, you know, to look back and hindsight's twenty twenty. It's just easy to say, oh, they shouldn't have traded him. He wanted to go there. But, you know, kind of the way we started out the show was kind of talking about those, you know, the Nets, the Bulls, the Rockets. There were other teams that were interested. And, yeah, if he got traded to the Rockets, was he going to sign, you know, a, a deal, you know, like he was with the Knicks? Who knows? Maybe he goes to the Rockets as a rental and then, you know, walks in, in free agency and goes signs with the Knicks. It's possible. But I think, you know, there's just – Kawhi just did it. Kawhi just did it. Ex- yeah, exactly. You know, somebody – like, there's – you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Trading for him and giving up all that, like, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, maybe they shouldn't have knowing what we know now. But in the moment, you know, you, sometimes you just got to go get your guy. And like, you, like we said – or like Jeff was saying before – you know, they got two stars and it's like, okay, you know, that's kind of like, you're, you're close, like right there. You're kind of like on the precipice. Obviously if they didn't trade all those guys for Mello, Mello signs with them, then they can trade Wilson Chandler and Gallo for like that third star. And then you're really in business. So, you know, in a perfect world for the Knicks, they wouldn't have traded all those guys for Mello and they would have gotten, you know, one more guy to, to kind of be the finishing piece. But you know, it's just – it's tough to kind of look back and critique that. Um, you know, it, it's just in the moment you can't let that guy slip out of your grasp. Yeah, Chip, you looked like you had a little something to say about that too when I was asking the question. You, I, I know you got some thoughts behind <laughs> that. No, I was just going to say Donnie Walsh got played by Masai. I mean, he got – Yeah, I mean, he gave up a like, – he gave up a lot, obviously, but – yeah, he got he he could have signed and well and Leon Rose too and mm-hmm. Leon Rose, but mm-hmm. it was a combination of the two. But still, I think he got played and he. Everybody knew Mello was coming to New York. We, they knew it before that he wanted to come to New York at some point. Uh, sorry, and uh, the Knicks gave up way too much. I thought they didn't just give up players. By the way, they gave up two picks who Denver eventually used to select Jamal Murray. Mm. And eventually Saric was, uh, went with Dario Saric, went with one of those picks. But yeah. obviously Jamal, both of those guys, good players. Um, but yeah, the Knicks gave up way too much. I mean, if they didn't trade those guys, Danny just said, if they didn't trade those guys, think of uh, all three of those guys, Chandler, Gallo, and Mozgov are under 25. And obviously Mozgov isn't the player that Chandler and Gallo were. But they traded Ray Felton, too. Ray Felton was 26 at the time of his trade. He was still in his prime. He was still a really good player. He's playing the best basketball of his career. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And if they don't make that trade, they could be – they don't tra- They don't obviously sign uh, Tyson Chandler the next summer because there's no reason to sign him probably. But I think if they don't make that trade, they're in position to keep accumulating assets – and then make a trade for Chris Paul when that uh, scenario comes on. So uh, obviously I'm saying that because I just would have loved to, the Knicks that hurts gotten Chris you. Paul. That hurts <laughs> you. Yeah. That, that yeah, hurts yeah. Chip a lot. Having but, to say that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I was, so yeah, obviously I was thinking about that. But yeah. And I don't know. I, I was also thinking about the draft and looking at stuff like that. And, you know, they, they played. They traded for Melo. They were twenty-eight and twenty-six, and they played five hundred basketball the rest of the year. They finished forty-two and forty. You know, they had they got the seventeenth pick. They took Shumpert with that pick. 
know, Vucevic went 16th, Clay Thompson went 11th, Kemba went 9th, and oh yeah, Kawhi Leonard went 15th. <laughs> Like, if they had just lost a few more fucking games, yeah. <laughs> and if they didn't trade for Melo, maybe they would have. Um, and I know, look, I don't regret having Melo on the team, but I just, you know, you look back on it and you're like, yeah, uh, if they hadn't have made that trade, he still would have come to New York. The overwhelming odds are still that he would have come to New York because you can say he wouldn't have gone to Chicago because he had the opportunity to go to Chicago at some point and he didn't, and he wasn't he wasn't going to resign in New Jersey. There's no way, not when New York was right there and Houston. I just don't see it. It's, I just don't see him doing that. And yeah, I, I just felt the trade was a mistake for all of those reasons that you shouldn't have to yeah. a mistake for all the reasons that people are saying a mistake for trading for Donovan Mitchell is a mistake or any guy is a mistake now, like giving up assets when you can sign someone uh, is a mistake when you know a guy wants to come here. It's just a, it's just wrong. The Knicks just weren't used to guys wanting to come here. Yeah, exactly. That's true. <laughs> Amari didn't even want to come here. He only came here because Phoenix didn't want him. He yeah. got $100 million. Yeah. Amari, yeah, Amari basically, like, didn't have many other places to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would, uh, I mean, what, that would fully, what, uh, give him the contract without his uninsured knees or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Um, the only thing, though, I, I do want to say about – the, the mellow deal, it was something that I had looked up today. I had never really thought of before. I remember it was more rumored. I don't think it was truly fact, but like I know Mello and, and, um, and Deron Williams were like very closely tied to each other around that time because they were the big names that were around the deadline. That were well, D'Antoni wanted to trade Mello for Darren Williams. Yeah, but that, that was that's the kind of that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at. Like I didn't realize that. So when we got Mello, there the the poster of the Daily News had actually interviewed Donnie Walsh and they were like, Did you know he was on the block? And he was like, No, I didn't know he was on the block at all. And he was like and The most overrated executive of all time, Donnie Walsh. <laughs> well, I mean, a you know, idiot. listen, Chip, he did some amazing cap work to get us in a in a position to not have Le LeBron James pick us. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. <laughs> To not close on anyone. I can't. I mean, dude. I, I mean, like, come on. I, I apparently he better than Isaiah. A, apparently he came in there with a wheelchair. I don't know. Like, but um, but you know, he did he did some decent things. Like, I, I, I but anyway, I'm I'm sidetracked. Like, I think um, he 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 wanted he wanted Williams, and he had even said something like, "Oh, I, I'm not going to speak on that, but I do have some thoughts on it." Um, but that would have been interesting. The only other thing I, I want to put on the mellow trade here is like I think ultimately I think you you can certainly say the deal is a failure if you value and and why shouldn't you right that the assets that we gave up and whatnot but I do think if you look at the seven years that the mellow is here um, I, I do think you also have to understand that if we hadn't traded for him and kept Chandler and, and Gallinari both good players and both valuable pieces they missed a ton of games man they got injured. Um, I'm pretty sure both of them had at least one season where they were completely on the shelf. And, you know, some other seasons here and there where they had some, you know, lower body issues and missed some games as well. So I do think I, I would have been interested to see what the team would have looked like without him, 
you know, Nick's scouting was never really a bad area. So you could say, okay, we, we probably would have hit on some of those drafts. Like maybe, maybe that's true. But um, I always, you know, when I get into arguments with people that talk to me about the mellow trade, like, like Gallinari and Chandler's injury history is, is definitely a topic that I don't see getting brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. Fair. I think I'm, I don't want to like derail the conversation too much, but I just, I was surfing around basketball reference and I stumbled upon, cause we're talking about the Rockets and I'm trying to figure out who they would have traded for Mello. Their roster is unreal. Like when you like just the names, like it, not unreal isn't good. Unreal isn't just crazy. Kevin Martin, Louis Scola, Kyle Lowry, Aaron Brooks, Yao Ming, Chase Budinger, Shane Battier, Courtney Lee, Goran Dragic, Patrick Patterson, Jordan Hill, Jared Jeffries, Damari Carroll, and Hashim Thabit. There's, like, so many random guys on that team, and I have no idea what they would have even, like, put together to get mellow at that point in time. I think, you know, some of those guys you mentioned, though, if you think back then, were actually putting up pretty good numbers. Kevin Martin, he's, he was averaging, Martin, 20, he was averaging Scola, 24 a game at that point. Scola and Scola, yeah, Scola, Scola, Scola was averaging 18 and 8. Yeah, it's just it's, – it's crazy looking back. Because it, it, to me, honestly, the mellow trade, like, it, do, it still feels pretty fresh. Like, it still feels like, you know, like – you remember it pretty well, but you know, it's almost 10 years ago now, probably actually over 10 years ago now. Probably, uh, no, next year will be the 10 year anniversary. Yeah, it's 2011. 2011, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and when I think back, we talk about the deal, we know the package and all that, and I kind of want your guys' take about it because we kind of hinted towards this a little bit, but let's just say we don't make this trade, right? We keep our the pieces that we had. But eventually, wherever, even if Melo was traded somewhere else, but he becomes in free agency, the Knicks are able to sign him in free agency. Do you guys think that there would have been more success? Because there was some success in the, in the Melo era. It wasn't all bad. It just ended real bad. But if we were able to hold on to a lot of our assets, do you think that Carmelo Anthony and the Knicks would have had more success in his time there, if we did not make this trade and sign him in free agency, I'll start with you, Danny. I think it could. I mean, it could have worked. Like Chip, you know, Chip brought it up before the the idea of trading for Chris Paul, and you know that was a legit thing. You know, David Stern would have let that trade go through. Um, but with I don't know, like the thing that sticks out for me is just one. Amari couldn't stay healthy and he didn't really end up lasting the length of his contract as like a, you know, a superstar worth, uh, you know, that much money on the cap. Um, and two, even when he was healthy, him and he and Mello weren't a complete, you know, like, like they, they didn't synergize well with each other. They both kind of needed the ball in their hands a little bit. I know, you know, Amari, he maybe was kind of starting you could see maybe he could have kind of stepped out and been more of like a shooter type or something like that. Maybe they could have figured something out with D'Antoni. But then again, you know, D'Antoni, he he clashed with Melo too. So it's like your coach is clashing with Melo and then, you know, your number two player. If they get Chris Paul, obviously that changes things. And, you know, Chris Paul and Melo at that time probably would have been good enough to be a legit finals contender, you know, really give LeBron and the Heat a run for their money. But at the same time, for me, 
it's kind of like then that third star, Bosch would have been a lot better than Amari Sotomayor for me. So it's like still, you know, but you never, like, you never know. It's just to me, the, the Sotomayor injuries and all that stuff just sticks out to me too mm-hmm. much. But, but Chris Paul was traded in December, 2011. Like Amari wasn't untradeable by then. Was he? I don't think so. Probably not. So okay, that I I didn't think of that. You know, you Amari going over there, that that's a possibility. Like, you, like, like Amari, Gallinari, and Chandler, and maybe if they even if they had ended up with Shumpert still, like and then throwing a pick like that would have gotten Chris Paul. Right. I mean, what it was Eric Gordon, right? Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, Chris Kamen, and Al Farouk Aminu, right? Shit. Chris Kamen. I haven't heard that name in forever. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, I forgot about him yeah. until you just said something. Yep. Yeah. Was that was Al that the uh, did did Chris Paul get traded right before the strike ended? I think so. Yeah, December fourteenth, twenty eleven. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So started. Yeah. Your your theory with Melo at least you know holds up. He was healthy at that time. He played forty seven games out of the you know sixty or whatever it was. So um, he was fairly still, healthy at that time. Cool. He I, he definitely wasn't untradeable going into that year. I'm not sure what his contract looked like. Uh, that was this what the second year of his uh, his big one with the Knicks. Yeah. Well, he was uh, five years, a hundred million, right? I'm I think sure. so. Five yeah. years, a hundred million. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it would because New Orleans, I guess New Orleans didn't take back a lot of money in the deal, right? Eric Gordon probably didn't make that much he, money. He definitely didn't. Yeah. With the Clippers, I don't know. Maybe they just would have taken the three young players. I don't know. And they took the they took a first round pick and they selected Austin Rivers with it. I feel like if the Knicks had thrown in. And the three young guys, they could have gotten them. But I don't know. I'm also just saying that because I would have wanted Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony on the team at the same time. So. Trying, to, trying to speak it into, into existence yeah, in the past. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, then that was, you know, the banana. When did the banana boat happen? Now we're getting deep. <laughs> oh, now we're getting was, deep oh into God, Now we're going. Cause, yeah, that was, banana that was, boat picture. Because that banana boat was before it all – Right before Melo got traded to the Knicks and before uh, Chris Paul. Was no, it? no, no, was no. It was after. Yeah, it was, it was after. after. Was, I think he was on the Knicks with the banana boat. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. LeBron, you're right. Yeah. He, he, Paul was he on the Clippers. Like Wade and LeBron. Yeah. yeah, Wade and LeBron were on yeah. the uh, the Heat together. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm getting confused. I'm get. I'm thinking of like eight different eight different things that happened in the NBA in the the. Uh, Early to well, I'm going to go even in further right here, if you remember, because we're talking about Chris Paul being traded there. But, I mean, 2015 was the banana boat picture. Yeah. yeah. 20, okay, so I was way off. The Chris Paul thing, though, it, 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 that makes it interesting. We kind of got into that. If you guys – I don't watch the reality show, but, you know, you knew Carmelo Anthony's wife is a reality television star, actress, whatever. And uh, my mom is into that kind of crap. And she was watching the episode of the Mellow and Lala wedding. Oh yeah, the full court wedding Hall, press or whatever. Yeah, Chris Paul was making that. Yeah, Chris 
Paul mentioned about one day playing with Carmelo Anthony, and it remember it blew up everything. Oh right. yeah, here we go. You know, like that. So it's just have fuel to that conversation a little bit here that uh you know the combination it could have been a real possibility if the Knicks had more assets if they didn't go ahead and make that trade and and, and, look do we know if Carmelo Anthony would have signed I guess we really don't but it just makes you think because again at the time I didn't give a crap who we traded I was just oh man we got Carmelo Anthony thinking back on it now you're going we probably could have done things a little bit smarter there uh, that kind of would have put us in a better position there. And I kind of agree with you, Chip. Uh, you know, I, I think if we had more assets especially, can you imagine Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul both in their prime playing together, how better off this the, the, the Nick era would have been? Chris Paul versus, could have gotten the best out of Melo. Yeah, oh, I agree versus, with you know, Amari and Carmelo, because we know what happens now. Amari looked like it could be a great combination, you know, even though – two ball-dominant players, you know, you need a guard to kind of, like a Nash and Amari were just dominant because they were able to feed off each other and all that. Carmelo and Amari obviously never had that kind of accommodation. And then, of course, with the injuries that Amari Stoudemire had, it virtually became just really mellow out there. Imagine Chris Paul with Carmelo Anthony. Like you said, I, I think those two I, I'm telling you, I think we could have competed for championships. And I know the Heat had their team there. I'm not saying we would have won, but I'm saying we would have had a lot more playoff success, in my opinion, if if we didn't trade away everybody and had a little bit more assets to bring stuff like that in and continue to build the roster around Melo. What the, Heat, the Heat weren't invincible back then. I mean, they were, no, they were, yeah, they were really good, but like, you know, the Heat weren't, definitely weren't invincible. Yeah, they had yeah, no bench you know, whatsoever. The, the Pacers – the Pacers were very strong against them, very you know, in, in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals there. they I mean, they lost two out of four in the finals. Obviously, going to four is incredible. But you, if if the Knicks have Chris Paul and Melo going into that same time frame that, you know, the Heat have the big three, I mean, the Knicks are probably going to steal at least one of those four and go to an NBA Finals. Unless, you know, something catastrophic happens, you know, injuries, something like that. But if they have Chris Paul and Carmelo, you can't tell me they don't they don't steal hey, yeah. series right. or even you know, <clears throat> I mean butterfly effect, crazier things could happen. The Heat could get taken out by a different team, or you know they could play the Pacers in the you know the first round or the second round or something like that and get taken out there. I mean you never you never know, but you would have to think the Knicks would have had a much better shot than you know how everything shook out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If Melo goes to the Bulls, they get a second score and. I mean, they could ch- – I'm not saying they could beat the Heat, but they, they had the best defense for, like, three years right. in a row. Well, you remember, like, when, score. Yeah, when they had – when Melo's contract even ended after the trade went down, you know, there was talks that Melo might go to the Bulls. Right. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, he yeah, still yeah. wanted to be in New York. There's a lot of money left off the table if he would have went somewhere else. I know that probably definitely played a bit of a factor into it. I mean, it was like somewhere around $25 million left on the table if he would have walked away from the Knicks at that point. But I just remember thinking, you know, boy, that, that Bulls team could have been pretty damn good too. Uh, it, it, really but, good. <clears throat> but it, it, I mean, things shortly after that went down south for the Bulls. You know, Rose started having the injuries and all that. But before all that kind of took place, though, when Melo was a free agent, kind of again, I thought we were going to lose him to the Bulls, and then just money kind of 
talk that. I think Melo got what his second contract with the Knicks was like 125 million or something like that. But just thinking of that, and, and to be honest, the reason why I bring that up is I didn't even know the Bulls originally going back before Melo was traded were even in pursuit to get uh, Carmelo Anthony. Because like I said, I, I remember the Hawks and I remember the the uh, the Nets. I do not remember the Rockets or the Bulls being involved in that, that conversation uh, form. I, I wonder how serious those teams were, but they were just rumors or if there were legitimate offers made from those teams to try to get Carmelo Anthony back in the day. Well, I, think I don't it, know. I think it's, um, I think it's, it probably brings us to one of the, the more relevant criticisms of, of Melo uh, because the Bulls were very serious. Like I think even Melo has been quoted as saying, like he was on a plane with his agent and I think even his wife. And he was like, we're going to Chicago. Like, I think he had been in Chicago and I, I, I'm not sure if he had talked to D Rose or, or whatever, but whatever pitch they sold him on, um, he bought into it. And then like Matt said, the money did end up talking, which is what has kind of, followed Mello in the sense that you know there are a lot of people that feel like he picked money over winning um, which is actually kind of one of the reasons why I think he might have signed somewhere else instead of just risking getting traded to another place because remember that was also the year that the CBA was changing and I think that the the amount of money that he was able to get on the contract was going to be higher which is why he pushed so hard to get to get traded um, well, he got traded. He forced the trade because the lockout was coming, right? Well, that's yeah. That's that. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. not. Yeah, the CBA wasn't changing with the lockout. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he wanted. Yeah, that's that. That makes sense. He wanted to get but, paid. But then you know he signed. It's this is so interesting too because we have the last dance we're watching now, and Phil is obviously like a big player, and is featured so much. But you know, one of the things that Melo said when he signed, when he re-upped with the Knicks was that he was like, Phil sold me. He was like, Phil sold me on this, on this plan that basically Phil is explaining to Mello that because of the system we play, the triangle, that basketball is going to be made easier for you, that the way we're going to move the ball, the way it's going to put it's – it's going to basically make Mello's job easier to find his spots on the court where he can score from so much already, but – everybody else is going to get involved. That obviously didn't happen uh, for a million and one different reasons. But like, that's always been kind of what followed Mello in his career. The fact that, you know, he clearly had a better chance to win with the Bulls with Tibbs and whoever was there in the time mm -hmm. in Chicago, but he picked us. And I mean, listen, I was happy about him. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Mello fan and I wanted it to work, you know, here. Um, but Honestly, man, I would have loved to seen him play with those teams. How how dominant defensively they were, and and when Melo had his best season with us, who did we have on the team? Vets, you know, guys that could compensate for his defensive weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Defensive and, player uh, of the year, Tyson Chandler. Exactly. <laughs> Even though, yeah, <laughs> they, that's debatable. He should have won, but he was still <laughs> a great debatable. defender. Yeah, still <laughs> a great defender. Still. <laughs> I mean, but but look at that, and and imagine him on the Bulls with Noah Deng, and all of those guys like Jimmy Butler. Oh my God, man, they could have they could have done some damage in the East. 
he was going. I really Kirk did. Heinrich. Don't leave out Kirk Heinrich. Wasn't he on the Kirk <laughs> No, I'm not going to leave out Kirk Heinrich. Kansas Jayhawk, baybee. That's what I was thinking. I'm not Kansas sure if he was Jayhawk, on those teams. Watch out, Jayhawk. Yeah, yeah, he, you yeah. know, Kirk Heinrich is like you, – you think back, he was on almost every bowl team you think of. You know, that guy was there yeah. forever. You would look at it and just be like, yeah, he's still out there. Yeah, he's still running around out there, that guy. Steady Brappy Eddie. Player, though, he was. Yeah, I thought but, Tibbs was going to bring him back for the T-Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> Tibbs, <laughs> Tibbs those, loved that guy. Get those rec specs out. <laughs> yeah. I just – Man, I, I thought he was gone that summer. I really did. I, I remember, again, that was another thing. I remember getting a notification. I was actually at my girlfriend, or my fiance now, but I was just dating her at the time. It was at her house for dinner when I got the little ESPN ding that he was signing back, and I can remember just, like, just taking a deep breath after going, oh, gosh, it's over. Okay. He's still on the team. But I was like you, Jeff. Man, he could have had so much better success oh, if he would have went on to that Chicago team. It was just, you know, and that's one thing I've always appreciated about Mel. Yeah, I know money was on the table, but he did come back. He did take yeah. on the challenge of being a Nick. Nobody else has done that. And I think, you know, kind of as we're transitioning here, kind of to the end of things, it, it was not the best of any. Was that all on him? No. We all know the front office played a huge role in the drama, the mess itself. Uh, but I think for one thing for Nick fans, that they should, we should be very grateful for somebody like Camelo Anthony because he took on the challenge of being a Nick, which nobody else seems to want to do nowadays. Nobody. Everybody's kind of running away from that challenge. And, um, you know, let me ask you guys this, seriously. We, we talk about this a lot. We talk about free agents a lot uh, not coming to New York, right? Do you think part of it is because they watch the superstar like Melo come to New York, the success had its ups and downs, but towards the end it was bad. And, you know, the management kind of threw him under the bus a little bit here. Do you guys think that plays a role in why these free agents nowadays are kind of not even giving the Knicks the, the light of day? Or is it more so just because the, the, the front office is usually a mess and, and the roster is not that good? Uh, or is it maybe they've learned a little bit to stay away because they've seen the treatment of, of one superstar like Carmelo Anthony and how things ended in New York there? I think it's probably a little bit of everything. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe some guys who really love Melo because, you know, a lot of players, you know, really look up to him. Maybe some guys still think about that. But, you know, at the same time, you know, like Patrick Ewing was here and he's, you know, he had so many great years. Obviously, they never got over the hump. But he's, you know, beloved, you know, forever. And, you know, they kind of did him dirty by trading him. But at the same time, you know, he has a good relationship with the, uh, you know, with the organization, with ownership, everything like that. So I think, you know, having like a Hall of Famer like Patrick Ewing, who is still, you know, in good graces with the team or whatever you want to call it, that's prop that might cancel out, you know, the mellow stuff. And to be fair, mellow, he's, he doesn't, he's no, like, there's no sour grapes about his time in New York. He, you know, still, every time he goes to MSG, he loves it. You know, he's, he, you know, he, he's, I think as time goes on, Knicks fans are, you know, softening on mellow for, you know, some of his perceived shortcomings because, you know, he, yeah, it was a lot of it had to do with money, but he wanted to take on the challenge of New York. He wanted to be the guy. Didn't work out, but, you know, what can you do? He took the challenge, right. Yeah, what can you – you know, it, yeah. it is what it is. He he gave it the old college try. You guys remember when he returned this year on New Year's? And yeah, as you mentioned, the fans were going crazy. And he, it was so cool because he played well. And he, he lit did. up the scoreboard. 
but the Knicks won. Yeah, that's like the perfect. <laughs> that's the perfect thing for that's us. Perfect. Like, yeah, come to the, come to the garden, play well. Let's have fun with you, but we need to win the damn basketball game. And we did on that night. That was that was cool. I was thinking about that earlier today as well. I was like, man, that was a fun night. And uh, I remember that game was on the NBA channel here, so it was blacked out on my Elite Pass. So I watched it on the NBA channel. And I remember after that game we won, the analyst was like, man, that's a bad loss in Portland. Such a bad loss in Portland. Yeah. I'm like, you think? <laughs> I mean, we're playing pretty damn bad basketball up until that they one got, night that we, you know, we won. They got smoked. I remember that yeah. game. I mean, especially now when you consider how many games out of a playoff spot are they in the West. Yeah. I mean, Portland's like, not having a good year. That's man. one that no. you just can't lose. But but going back to the um, to the stars conversation, I really also believe like. It really depends on the star that you're talking about. I think if you're a guy like Dame Lillard or Jimmy Butler, and I'm, I mean, honestly, those are like two of my favorite players in the NBA, but I don't think those t- types of guys with the way they're wired, I don't think New York is the type of place that scares them. I don't think those two specifically are guys that are like, well, if I don't succeed, because that's not in their mind. The failure piece is not with them. So, but I do think there are some stars, even some younger guys that might be coming off their rookie contract or whatever, that would be afraid to take on the the challenge of New York for everything that we've just talked about, whether it's media, um, past treatment of stars, which I think it's like overplayed a little bit. Like, I don't think like, obviously things did not end well with Mello and Phil, but, you know, Phil is not here anymore. You know what I mean? So I, I do think that there are, yeah. are people that we treat well, too. I mean, I think it's just, you know, the Dolan thing is there. But, you know, that gets overplayed, too, sometimes. Um, but I think it just depends on the star. I think the guys who are wired, like, in a, in a very different way, you know, the, the idea of New York doesn't scare them because they think they can do anything, you know. But I think there are some stars who are – not necessarily on that level, and maybe those are the guys we don't want. I don't know. You just mentioned Phil Jackson. I don't know if any of you guys are thinking this, but watching The Last Dance, every time there's Phil Jackson on, are you just getting mad at him, or is that just me? Because I'm just thinking, boy, man, he's I don't give a shit about Phil Jackson yeah, anymore. That's just you. <laughs> every time he's on, though, I'm just looking at him like, man, he was such a good coach, did things well that way. But boy, he screwed up with the Knicks. But I just I don't I don't like looking at him. I don't like looking at his freaking face. Yeah. I don't know. It might be just me. I get I get mad. I was I was talking about the triangle. I was laughing my ass off. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. that was hilarious. Right. I was a Kobe fan growing up, so those three peats. I watched you know those those Laker three peats. So I actually I I still kind of have a soft spot for Phil Jackson just because uh, those like, I had high hopes I was, when he got I loved Kobe. I loved Kobe back back in those days. I mean, I still obviously still do and everything like that. But like Kobe was like the first player I started watching. Cause like I was a little kid and it's like, Oh, the Lakers are the best team. I like that, mm-hmm. that one guy. Um, so yeah, to, I, I'm, I, the Phil Jackson stuff hasn't bothered me. I think it's been interesting. I thought the old school Knicks stuff with him was pretty cool. Uh, I know it wasn't like a huge part of the, you know, it was just had a little cameo, but I think some of the Knicks stuff has been, has been pretty cool overall. No, that's it. I think, you know, we're coming to it where we got our, our, our closing thoughts here. Uh, so, of course, you know, last chance, last call, I guess. 
any closing thoughts on, on this mellow trade if it didn't happen or did we cover about everything anybody that's got something jump on it I just was going to – I'll just – this is way off topic again. I'm, I've been like the person who's just trying to derail well, this well, podcast. Us. We do, yeah. we, we do, we do that <laughs> but, a lot. It's okay. I just – I thought it was worth mentioning again that uh, the Knicks Nuggets brawl, which was started by Mello and J.R. Smith, like they, they both end up with the Knicks eventually, which – Mello punched that guy and ran. Yeah. I was yeah, – I, I've said this on the pod before, I think, but I was at that game. I was like, me and my oh, friend, we snuck down like close to the court and I got like a towel from the Nuggets bench, which I always said was Carmelo's towel, which I, I'm pretty sure it was, but. Just take it even if it is. Like that, oh, nobody I, needs to know. This, this is the way I've always told the story and this is the way it's happened. So I don't know why I'm <laughs> now I'm making it sound like I'm lying and making a, a tall tale, but the Knicks guy, like the, the training equipment guy whatever like threw me and my buddy a towel and he was like we were like oh whose towel was it he was like carmelo's and he probably just said it just so we would be like oh my god it's probably just some like (laughs) random towel like and we were just like oh that's sweet and then uh my friend got a autograph from tracy morgan and we decided that like one of us had to get each and he really wanted the Tracy Morgan autograph. And I was like, I'll trade you the towel for it. He was like, no, no, no. And then I got, I got stuck with the mellow towel. But then all those years later, I was like, wow, this is like a weird, cool thing to have. That is pretty cool. That's uh, the brought up the fight, though. I'm just picturing Nate Robinson, who I have right there, by the way. Oh, I'm yeah. Right uh, on the side of my wall. Oh, it's so uh, crazy. That picture. Um, you know, it, this is really random. But, you know, I actually got that when I moved here. Uh, my I had a guidance counselor who loved sports, so he would call me down out of class. I'd be like, get me out of math class. <laughs> and he would call me down once a week out of math class. People thought I had like these like mental issues because I was always down there in his office. Well, you're, <laughs> in, no, you're, you're a Knicks fan, so you do have mental issues. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we would just talk sports. Like, we would talk about fantasy. They would talk about the Knicks and all that. So when I moved, he gave me uh, the Nate Robinson picture I have in my room that's a signed Nate Robinson autograph picture. But that fight, I remember Nate was throwing everybody around. A little five foot eight little guy is just tossing people into the crowd, body slamming them. And that was that was a pretty good fight. That Jared, was a, a Jared really Jeffries. Fight. This is yes. second, the second mention of Jared Jeffries on the pod. Like he had the crazy the shirt, like completely yeah, yeah, ripped off. Yeah. That's why he missed that layup. Uh, or whatever he passed the ball away when uh, in what was it 2012 in the playoffs? Boston, the Boston series. Yeah, the Boston series. Yeah. He was still pissed oh, at Mello. He's still pissed at Mello for the brawl. Um, I think my my last thought is, uh, I mean, call it the low standard of success for what being a Nick fan is right now, but I'll always hold on to to the 2012-2013 series second round playoff appearance. Like, man, if we didn't have that, what chip? I mean, everybody, like, what were the last 10, 15, 20 years? Like, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I'll still take Mello for that, for that alone because right. I, those, man, dude, watching, coming home, watching those games, I'm, I'm having that feeling. Like, yeah. I haven't looked forward to something like that in, in so yep. long. And even just like, just little things like JR that season. Shumpert, you know, like, I don't know. And it all ended horribly with the Roy Hibbert block. But I'll take that nine times out of ten, you know, even with all the other shit that came with it. Jeff, you missed the episode two weeks ago. We were all we were all in agreement. 
It was because J.R. Smith wanted his put his face on a milk cart and it just freaking disappeared. Yes. Right? You can get me going again for another freaking hour, but oh my God, he disappeared. He just, he just all left. right, all right. We got it the last time. <laughs> Take it easy. Still don't know where the hell he went. Oh, man. All right. Well, Take it I easy on JR. Yeah, I do love JR. I, I do. I, I do love JR. It just he hurts my heart every time I think about 2013 series. But that is true, Jeff. You know, that, that year was just every single game you felt like you were going to win. And I told these guys, I thought we were going to suck that year. Because I was, I was like, we got some good pieces, but, you know, everybody on this team, like some of our main players are like 40 years old. Jason, like, it was kids. starting. Yeah, I was like, yeah, we got some old geezers on the team. We're going to fall apart. The wheels are going to fall You want to talk stuff. about a milk carton in the playoffs. Yeah. Jesus oh, Christ, God, Jason yeah. Kidd. This is true. Well, he started this struggling true. shooting at the end of that season. He it's was true. awful. Like, you could tell yeah. he couldn't play no more. It was going downhill. Writing was already had, on the wall. Yeah, like, you could see. I know he had to take extra shots before games, working with the shooting coach and stuff like that. But I was completely wrong about that. But that season, every single night, you felt like it was we were just going to win. Even when things went south that year, remember that game? I think it was against Sacramento or whatever. We had like a little four or five game losing streak. And like Kurt Thomas came off the bench, bum knees and all, led us to a freaking victory. And after that game, the Knicks got rolling again. Like it, things just were magical that freaking year. Crazy. I'll take, I'll take it. It didn't end well, but I'll take it. Uh, but yeah. as you can tell, this episode, I, I think it's probably – I talked a whole lot. Um because I, I was excited about this one. This one was – this was one of our, our, a good topic here. And, um, you know, it's going to be hard to follow this one, I think, guys. I think we're going to have to really brainstorm for next week to we're come have to up dig with deep. a damn good topic. Yeah, we're really going to have to pull something out because this was a pretty good one. I think I said it two weeks ago that uh, when we talked about the 2013 playoffs, that was one of my favorite episodes of doing. This, this episode replaced that. Uh, you know, this is definitely my, my favorite episode. I think we're over 100 episodes with it, this podcast. Uh, now, this might be one of my favorite episodes. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, had a lot of fun with it. Just love doing this as a, you know, just a fan going back and thinking about a lot of these things and, and thinking about where you were, or what you were thinking. Like just with the mellow trade again, just remember constantly checking my phone, looking for updates. Remember getting so depressed thinking he was going to go to the freaking net. Uh, you know, it, it, some of the best times in my, my life as a Knicks fan, uh, you know, when we got the trade, the excitement and all that, you remember his first game was against the Bucks, I believe he had 27 points and all that. We win the game and I'm thinking like, oh yeah, we're never going to lose again. We weren't quite that good, but you know, things weren't always as bad. It gave us a little bit of hope for a little bit. Hopefully one day we can get back to it. Maybe, maybe RJ Barrett turns into like a Camelo Anthony, just wishful thinking. Maybe Kevin Knox starts putting the ball in the hoop a little bit more, you know, a little bit more consistently would be freaking nice. Maybe one day. He looks the now, part of that guy. He definitely looks yeah, the part. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think a guy, he has it in him. He's just got to freaking just find himself, just, just get going. But, man, that's all we got is to look back at some of these, these cool things uh, for right now because it's rough. But it's been a lot of fun and, with that being said, uh, we'll wrap up this podcast and we'll be back next week for another episode of the Next State of Mind podcast.